Welcome to Spring of Life. My name is Mike Luzinski, and I serve as the lead pastor here. I'm so glad you're taking the time to grow in your faith through scripture, preaching, and the conversations on our podcast. This year, as we prepare for Easter, we're reflecting with a new sermon series entitled The Third Day. Of course, the third day is when Jesus rose from the dead, and we celebrate that. And so, as Christians, we're reflecting during this season of Lent on how the resurrection changed the lives of those early disciples and how it changes your life and mine today. Today's reading is from John 21, verses 1 through 17. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went on in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today is the first Sunday in the season of Lent. Lent is the time of preparation for Easter. It's the 40 days that we embark on this journey to prepare ourselves to encounter the empty tomb at the end of the journey. You might remember that on Wednesday, we repented with ashes, remembering that we're made from dust and will one day return to dust. And today, we, we begin our new series with a picture of a character who learned what the resurrection meant to him 
and how it changed his life. Simon Peter is his name. Simon Peter was one of the most exuberant and excited disciples. But when the going got tough, Simon Peter was also the disciple who denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. Simon Peter has found himself back in Galilee now doing the thing he was doing before he ever met Jesus. And when he goes to fish, he, he fishes all night and he catches nothing. Simon Peter isn't even good at the thing he was good at before he met Jesus and spent three years following him and leaving everything he had to go on that journey. I wonder if Simon Peter is feeling like a failure. I wonder if Simon Peter is feeling like he's not good enough. I see our children have joined us and I, I wanna ask you, I think you just learned a little bit about Simon Peter. Who can raise their hand and tell me something about Simon Peter? Hmm. Hmm. Now I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, do you have something you want to share about Simon Peter? He had a beard. Yeah, most depictions of him have a beard. Yes, that's true. Any any other insights about Simon Peter that we know? Oh, wait. Yes. Yes, that is exactly what happened to Simon Peter. Simon Peter was on the boat. Simon Peter and his friends recognized Jesus and Simon Peter followed what God had told him to do. And God showed up in an amazing way. Yes, that's good. You were paying attention in Sunday school. I love that. Good, good. And Simon Peter remembered that Jesus, oh yes, what, what, did you, what do you know about Simon Peter? Yeah, so he went and experienced Jesus up, up there in the mountains. Yes. Yes, he was both a fisherman and a follower. Yeah, those are great. Those are great insights. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. I'm, I try to see, but sometimes it's bright and I can't quite see everything there. And Simon Peter experienced resurrection on this day. Simon Peter uh, did that and the resurrection of Jesus changed the trajectory of his life. What we talked a little bit about earlier, we can imagine Simon Peter was feeling down and out but after this encounter with the risen Jesus, his life and his future is transformed. So as we prepare for Easter this year, we're going to, to walk through a picture of different disciples every week. 
and reflect on how the resurrection shaped their lives, keeping in mind how the resurrection of Jesus Christ shapes our lives. And we'll study that as we prepare for Easter this year. Peter experienced redemption because of the resurrection. Remember that at this point in the Gospel of John, Easter has already happened. Jesus is risen, and half of the disciples, seven of them to be precise, have made the journey back to Galilee and they're fishing. Now, we don't know their motivation. We don't know if they're just going back to the thing they know, what to, know how to do until they figure something else out. Or maybe they're thinking, wow, that was a crazy three years and we need to get our sea legs back underneath us and build a new life on the other side of this. We don't know if it's an, an act of faith or if it's an act of despair, all we know is that they find themselves back where they started, back in the same place where Jesus originally called them, the Sea of Galilee. Simon Peter says, I'm going fishing. And the disciples with him respond, we'll come too. So they went out in the boat and they caught nothing all night. You can imagine by this time they're getting frustrated. If their motivation was to try to get something to eat, well, they're not succeeding there. If their motivation was to, to try to earn a living, well, they're not succeeding there. If, if their motivation was to start a new life and build back up all that they had lost, well, things aren't looking so good for them there either. This is a moment of failure a moment of vulnerability, a moment where maybe that thought was creeping in the back of the minds of the disciples that, that maybe the people who said, I shouldn't have gone to follow Jesus, maybe those people were right. They're all wrestling with this, casting again and again, only to bring up empty nets. And in the morning... There's a man standing on the beach. Pretty typical fishing protocol. It even still happens today. When you see someone fishing, you say, hey, catch anything? What's, any bites? Anything going on there? Jesus calls out to them, hey, have you caught anything? And they yell back, no. Then the conversation deviates from the normal fishing script. Instead of, ah, keep trying, maybe this next cast is the one. No, we don't get that. Jesus tells them to cast the net on the right side of the boat, and then you'll get fish. And that's what they do. And this is one of the most dramatic parts of the story. You can imagine the net starting to be pulled in, and they pull it. Maybe the, the fishermen are thinking, is this stuck on the bottom? What's, what's going on here? This is so heavy only to see the splashing of fish as it comes out of the water. And while all of this is happening, one of the disciples begins to recognize that Jesus was the man on the shore. The disciple that Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. 
When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, and jumped into the water and headed to shore. This moment of miracle is a moment of recognition that God is at work here. This wasn't just a lucky cast. This would have been the best, the best day in a professional, fisher, professional fisherman's life that they've ever had. And they recognized that God had a hand in it, that God was a part of it. And so Peter, leaving all the work, mind you, you know, there's still, the catch was not secure. They're still wrestling with these giant nets. He leaves his friends to go do that, and he swims to shore, finding and encountering Jesus there. Jesus extends an invitation. Now come and have some breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. And then Jesus served them bread and fish. I wonder how the disciples felt seeing Jesus on the shore. Is he about to yell at us? Is he about to say, I knew you'd fail? What's Jesus gonna do? Will he, will he take us back? But Jesus instead offers hospitality. Jesus instead offers an invitation back into relationship. Come on over, eat something with me. Let's talk, let's catch up. Jesus extends this gift of grace which surely reminds the disciples of some other time they had bread and fish. Can you think of what that might be? Maybe the feeding of the 5,000? Jesus offers them this gift of abundance and they enjoy it together. And the conversation turns. Jesus looks Peter in the eyes and he asks him a question. Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord. I love you. A second time, Jesus looks Peter straight in the eyes and says, Peter, do you love me? He responds, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. To which Jesus says, feed my sheep. And then a third time, Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Why did Jesus ask Peter three times if he loved him? We think of that number three, three times. It reminds us to an earlier part in Peter's story where he denied Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. By asking Peter three times if he loved him, Jesus gave him the opportunity to reaffirm his love for God to make right the thing that had been wrong, to repair what was broken, to restore the relationship. 
Jesus meets Peter in a moment that we could easily see as the biggest failure of Peter's life. Failing at following Jesus, failing at being a fisherman, you know, he's on the edge of a downward spiral of hopelessness. And Jesus gives him the opportunity to be restored and redeemed. Peter experiences redemption because of the resurrection. Peter doesn't have to be perfect to be a follower of Jesus. In fact, Peter can make one of the most, one of the worst mistakes you can make and still follow Jesus. Peter is redeemed three times after denying Jesus three times. And when we read this passage from scripture, it gives us hope that even after the worst failures of our lives, redemption is possible. Jesus is waiting for you and me and everyone else on the beach saying, come on over. Let's share a meal. Jesus is extending the graceful invitation, reminding us that that thing that you thought defined you, that denial, that pain, that mistake, that whatever that may be, that's not the final word. Sin, death, bankruptcy, divorce are not the final word. The God of the universe is inviting you into the next chapter as Jesus did for Peter as well. We as Christians are people who believe in God's power to redeem. This often goes against some of our instincts that we use to protect ourselves. Say, oh, well, that person made a mistake implying that they might make a mistake again, so we better distance ourselves from them in case they make another mistake. But we as Christians believe in God's power to redeem. We believe that the worst sinner can be saved. We believe that the, the most violent community can become a haven of peace. We believe that the, the sickest person can be fully healed. We believe that the worst situation imaginable can be resolved. Why? Because we believe that Jesus is alive. Because we believe that someone who suffered one of the most gruesome and horrible deaths can overcome that, inviting all the world into new and abundant life. One of the ways our larger church has captured, an example of how our larger church has captured this belief of resurrection is summarized in, I'm gonna give you one sentence from the United Methodist Social Principles. Now, I'll pause here for a second. If you've never heard of these, this is a document that our larger church has written that helps people navigate many of the challenges and issues of the world. Uh, and, and it gives a theological perspective to help us as Methodist followers of Jesus to navigate a complex world with complex problems. 
while also remembering our faith and the deep power that it gives us to move forward through suffering, sin, and all the rest. This is a conversation, uh, this quote is a conversation on the death penalty. And in the United Methodist Church, the death penalty is not something that we support because it denies the power of Christ to redeem and restore and transform all human beings. The United Methodist Social Principles, paragraph 164G. Redeem, restore, and transform. When we say we believe in the power of the resurrection, what we mean is that the Holy Spirit can redeem, restore, and transform. We believe that in our own lives. We believe that in our world. We believe that in our church. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the ultimate reversal. It profoundly changed the lives of those who followed Jesus, the first disciples, and it profoundly changes the lives of people who follow Jesus today. The resurrection reoriented the lives of people wallowing in the pit of despair. It gave them courage to do things and go to places that they never would have imagined they would be able to do. And friends, the good news of the gospel is the same is true for us. The resurrection that inspired Peter is the resurrection that inspires you and me. Let us pray. Holy God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to be poured out on our lives, on our families, on our city, our state, our nation, and our world. Lord, we ask you to redeem, restore, and transform us. We offer up our experiences of despair and failure to you, asking in return for hope, faith, and courage that only come from Jesus Christ, our resurrected Lord. Amen. If you have questions or want to talk further about this message, I'd love the chance to talk with you. Visit us online at springchurch.org connect or email me at pastormike at springchurch.org. I look forward to hearing from you.